From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Thursday, May 6th. Local city and county elected officials are once again asking the National Park Service to implement a temporary timed entry system at Arches National Park. According to a joint letter to the regional director of the Park Service, they want this done no later than September 1st. We're seeing um, things happen right now at Arches, for example, since March. They've been having to close the park, as I understand it, daily, at least once, if not more than once, um, because they reach capacity. City Council member Ronnie Durasseri, these daily closures at Arches have led to congestion issues elsewhere. According to the letter, visitors redirected from Arches have caused closures at the Island in the Sky unit of Canyonlands. Even the farther out Needles District has been affected by congestion. Durasseri says this situation is not good for visitors or the parks. It has a negative impact on your experience if you're trying to go and you just don't know what to expect. Plus, it's not a good way. It's not an efficient way. It's not a smart way to manage a resource. This is not the first time that local representatives have asked the Park Service to explore a temporary timed entry system. They did this last May, citing concerns over increasing visitation as well as staff and visitor safety during the coronavirus pandemic. A joint meeting was held with the interim director of the Southeast Utah Group, and then nothing. In July 2020, a spokesperson for the Park Service told KZMU News that there were, quote, no plans to implement a temporary timed entry system at that time. Durasseri and others are saying the time is now. Rocky Mountain, Yosemite, and Glacier National Parks have all implemented similar systems. So she says this is familiar territory for the Park Service. The reason we're writing to the regional director of the Park Service is they are the ones in the seat to make a potential decision about this. They've seen this work now at multiple parks. They are the ones who can now decide it's time to stop studying and repeating studies, but to actually um, act and do something because we know Memorial Day is coming up upon us and we certainly don't want to be the position in Labor Day when we're seeing some of the same impacts. Read the joint letter to the regional director of the National Park Service in the show notes of today's news on our website and podcast. A state law has ended Grand County's local mask mandate. This comes as Grand continues to experience the highest rate of COVID-19 transmission in Utah. Grand County Attorney Christina Sloan. We're at as active cases as we ever have been, and um, we're continuing to see about seven or so new cases per day on average. The legislature passed a bill this session that ends local COVID-related health orders if Utah meets certain criteria, including low case rates. Although the state as a whole may have met those thresholds, local leaders are saying it does not reflect the situation in Grand County. The state evaluates case rates in terms of active cases per 100,000 people, their safe number is 191 cases per 100,000. But if you put Grand's local numbers on that metric, it's as if Grand is experiencing nearly 1,400 cases per 100,000 people. Said Sloan about the state triggers. Unfortunately, they're not local triggers whatsoever. And so, yes, we have quite a kind of COVID situation going on. That means that, once again, it will be up to local businesses to enforce their own rules when it comes to wearing a mask inside their store or keeping safe distances between customers. Grand County and Moab City will continue to require a mask inside their government buildings. 
Sloan recommends all businesses do the same. Students and teachers across the state are still required to wear a mask for in-person learning through the end of the school year. This week, public officials around our region denounced President Biden's proposal to encourage critical race education in K-12 schools. Savannah Marr reports. Critical race theory has been around for decades in academia, but it's recently made its way into the conversation around public education. Scholars of the framework say the recent backlash misconstrues its purpose. Race and racism are often used as a political football. That's Rayland Rabaka, a professor of ethnic studies at the University of Colorado Boulder. He says critical race theory simply acknowledges that race and racism exist and shape our society. Without it, Rabaka says students are set up for frustration. Major moments in American history and culture are not going to make sense to you without understanding race and racism. Last week, a law banning critical race theory from public schools went into effect in Idaho. In Wyoming, State Superintendent Jillian Balow denounced the Biden administration proposal to incentivize critical race education. This is an alarming move toward federal overreach into district curriculum and should be rebuked across party lines. The Biden administration's proposal would incentivize curriculum changes, not require them. For the Mountain West News Bureau, I'm Savannah Marr. That report comes from our partners at the Mountain West News Bureau. A 39-year-old woman died last week after a bear attack about 10 miles north of Durango, Colorado. The attack is a reminder that many people in the West live and recreate in black bear country. KSUT's Sarah Flower asked Colorado wildlife officials about how locals and visitors can stay bear aware on the trail. It's challenging because there's no witnesses, our victim is unfortunately deceased, and everybody wants to know every detail, and and the odds are we simply never will. That's Rebecca Farrell, Public Information Manager for Colorado Parks and Wildlife. While we'll likely never know exactly what happened with the tragic alleged black bear attack north of Durango, Farrell says incidents like this do gain national and international attention but emphasizes the rarity of these occurrences. It will only be the fourth fatality in over 60 years. It's not something we want people to be scared to go out and do the recreating that they love. But we do want people to understand that it is a possibility, and so the best thing that we can do is to prepare ourselves as much as possible. Some of the tips Farrell offers is to be prepared with bear spray, bring trekking poles if out for a hike in the backcountry, and if a bear does approach, Farrell suggests to stand your ground rather than be frozen. Colorado, since we only have black bears, playing dead is not the option you want here. And so that's also true of mountain lions. With a bear, you know, assuming that it's just a a chance encounter, you see it on the trail, odds are you clap, you, you give it a loud voice, you stay calm, it'll go on its own. If it does huff, try raising your hands, waving them over your head and making yourself a little bit bigger. Don't turn your back, keep your eye on that bear. And if you're able, back slowly away. Once they realize you're not prey, odds are they're going to move along. According to a news release, CPW has received several reports of bears becoming active this spring in the Durango area. While the majority have been sightings, Farrell says people need to be mindful of their surroundings while being outdoors. This time of year, bears are coming out of hibernation. And so it's a really good time to just be cognizant. Keep your wits about you. If you are out and about hiking, don't wear earphones or headphones. 
keep your ears open to the, the surroundings in your in your vicinity and understand so that you can hear and see as much as you can. If you see a cub and not a mom, you can understand the mom is nearby. You're going to want to try and, and make yourself scarce. The last fatal bear attack that took place in Colorado was in 2009 in Uray. A CPW investigation determined that the victim illegally fed bears through a fence in her yard. Farrell encourages Colorado residents and visitors to the state to be bear aware. Those principles stress securing all trash, removing attractants from your yard like bird feeders and pet food. It also includes securing chicken coops and livestock. More information about living in bear country and how to avoid conflicts with wildlife can be found at CPW's website. I'm Sarah Flower. And that's the news for Thursday, May 6th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.